listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. It is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas Knox, RJ Bell in with you here on FSR. We are going to take you all the way up until 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 o'clock Pacific. And we have got plenty to get into when it comes to the NFL. AJ Hoffman is with me. And AJ, I know you're new to uh, Las Vegas, but what the hell was that that we saw on Monday Night Football last night? That was, there's a couple stories that come out of that. First of all, I mean, it's a great win for the Raiders, a great way to open that building to their fans. I mean, that's a a, a huge emotional victory, but it's got a, it was just a crazy roller coaster. And if anything, I, I think you've got a real indictment maybe of John Gruden as a head coach. I mean, there was some really questionable moves made that had they lost that game, we, I mean, he would be – not that he would be on the hot seat because he's he's basically unfireable at his money, but it, there's a lot of moves that happen that make you go, what is this guy doing? Where's his head at? The Raiders get away with a win, so that's not going to be the, the headline of headlines. But to me, boy, I, I question John Gruden's decision-making right now. Yeah, and if uh, Lamar Jackson can hold on to the football, we're not even having the conversation. I mean, that, that really was the pivotal turning point of the game multiple times over. And, and to see the Raiders get down, you know, to the half-yard line, um, you know, they get a false start. I think it was uh, Leatherwood who was the, uh, the yeah. tackle they drafted out of Alabama. They get a false start. They get pushed back. Uh, then they throw the interception. I, I just assumed that was it, that, that based on that, that the Baltimore Ravens were going to go down. And when you've got Justin Tucker as your kicker, all you need to do is get somewhat close to to the 40 right and, and then you've got a legitimate shot at, at being able to ice the game but again Lamar couldn't hold on to the football and they you know they've talked about it here on straight out of Vegas for years Steve Fezzik RJ Brad Powers even then turnovers are the biggest issue when it comes to NFL games when it comes to determining the winner and when you're a team like Baltimore and you're that banged up it just to see L- Lamar Jackson who we talked about he was going to get a lot of opportunities to run the football but but RJ, to see him turn the ball over that many times, you just wonder if this is going to be a prelude into the future. Well, I think you're right that we should celebrate our win on his over-rushing yards. And <laughs> let's keep our priorities straight here. But I can't help but harken back. And I'm going to do this gingerly because Lamar Jackson, for some reason, and I think I understand vaguely why, it's a very combustible issue in the media, with fans, it seems to be a proxy for like my, you know, black quarterbacks and the way that they were not given a fair shot in the past. And I think it's fair to say that they weren't given a fair shot. That the assumption was, you know, you think about when a quarterback gets a second, a third chance. You think of a Sam Darnold and how he's getting after three years that you could say were the worst performing quarterback of that time was Sam Darnold. And objectively, I think he was. The idea that he gets another chance, he gets a 50-year option picked up, 
is like now back in the eighties would a black quarterback that had failed that much get that another chance? No, I don't think so because the mentality was maybe that wasn't their position or whatever the rationale was back then. I think that we've come a long way since then in that in the NFL in general, I don't think anyone even back in the day or most of them weren't saying, I know we'd be better off with this quarterback, but he's black. I don't want him. Right. I think mostly it was they had these preconceived notions in their head, the decision makers. And then when they saw the quarterback underperform, they were like, yep, that's what I thought. And that was the hindrance or the prejudice, however you want to say it. I think that that's no longer the case as much, if, if at all. But maybe it is in some ways. I don't I think it's nuanced more at this point. But what I'll say for sure is if you are critical of Lamar Jackson, you get a lot of people coming back at you. And let me ask you, Jonas. I mean, you, again, have your finger on the pulse of the media. Is why do you, First of all, do you see that? And, and why would that be? Well, I think the pushback on Lamar Jackson is people are hesitant to call him a great quarterback because we still are caught up in the idea that a quarterback is a stand-in-the-pocket guy that's going to be able to deliver the ball downfield and move the football. I just think that thinking has completely changed. I think the position has changed. He's not the most polished passer in the world. There are still things that he needs to tighten up that was evident last night. But if you just watch him make some of the plays that he made, I don't know where they're at without him. Like, I don't, uh, Especially okay. with that offensive line. But let me – and I think we probably disagree on this one pretty strongly. So I think it's worth getting into. So let me ask you this. Which quarterback would be an example – of a quarterback that doesn't throw well, like, you know, let's say very well, that's a successful long-term quarterback in the NFL? Um, God, I don't know. I mean, I would have to actually sit and think about that for a while. Um, I, would, I would make the case that Lamar Jackson might be as successful so far as anyone ever has been without having elite passing. And I'm not sure if Michael Vick, I don't know where you put him. In the mix, was he really a great pass or a good pass or not? I think at times he was, you know, I don't know, right? He's on that borderline. I'm not sure who else is even on the list. AJ, let's let's just dig into this one point. Who's on the list of saying this guy was not a really good passer, but he was a really good quarterback? Maybe that's the way to frame it. He wasn't a really good passer, but he was a really good quarterback. I mean, I, I, Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick are the first two that, that come to mind. Uh, I have a hard time even – I mean, it's, it's very difficult to be a great quarterback if, you, if that's not an option for you, if being a great downfield passer isn't even in the – Yeah, the, and maybe you know, great to be too high of a bar. Let's say good – a really good passer that, was a, that wasn't a really good passer that was a really good quarterback. So my point would be maybe the game's changing where I believe – and Colin right here on FSR talks about this a lot – is your ability to do something other than pass from the pocket – is important as you're evolving in year one, two, and three. It's almost like your training wheels. And then the theory is you hit year four and five, you become a better passer to the point you don't need to run because it's kind of hard to run for a career. It's not sustainable. That's what they always say. So my question to you, Jonas, is if Lamar has just more training wheels because he might be the best runner we've ever seen at quarterback, I think that's fair to say is his passing, though, is going backwards. If you just look at QBR, his MVP season, his passing for passing, not overall QBR, but there's a passing element, was so much better than it was last year. And, AJ, we had that disagreement, and we looked at the numbers. So if Lamar's going backwards as a passer, and maybe he can reverse that, 
where does this end? Meaning if he's just a runner, he would be the one quarterback ever that could be elite as a quarterback that wasn't a good passer. And maybe he will be, but boy, that's a tough bet to make, right? He'll be the first to do it. Well, I think he's going to probably have a short-lived career if that's the case, because if you've got to continue to run him, he's not, he doesn't even have the body type of a Cam Newton to where you can run Cam, and even Cam's body is broken yep. down. So you just wonder if that'll happen with Lamar Jackson. He's actually been really healthy throughout the course of his career, but we all know it takes one hit the wrong way, trying to make a play, scramble, that, that next thing you know, your career trajectory completely changes. I, I, I still think... That there's some, and there's been a lot of people that have talked about this, that there's been some hope that he can develop into a passer. I just I wonder if if he's got the opportunities to really do that in that offense or do they look at it and go, he's so good at this. We don't want to lose out on that by trying to teach him how to do this this late in his career. So it's kind of a weird spot to be in. So I think there's a couple of things. One. Let's look at the quarterbacks in the recent past that have been running quarterbacks. I think Cam is a great example. Cam was, what, 32 last year? I mean, he's in that 32, 33 range now. He, he's, in hindsight, it looks like he was done the year before that, that when he got hurt mid-year in 19, he's never been the same. So he would have been like 31, and he was, you know, if assuming he doesn't have a renaissance, and he could, if he doesn't, Physically, he was done at 31 as an elite or even a good quarterback. Now, who else do we got? RG3. He was he won the rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, over over <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Luck, the sainted one. And he had an amazing year. Remember that? It was I think uh, Cousin Kyle was on that staff there, McKenzie. Is, That's right. That's right. What was it, 27 touchdowns, three interceptions or something? That's right. It was crazy. It was an amazing year. And literally, he got hurt. Uh, you know, disputes on should he have played in the playoffs, different things. And then he was never the same. And it's like, it doesn't seem, it seems like as the NFL tries to legislate out the hits, they can't legislate out a running quarterback. He's now a running back, effectively. And you know what? Running backs don't really last either, even though they're so much physically bigger and stronger than quarterbacks typically. I just don't know because I don't what you're saying though Jonas is if Lamar's able to somehow become a good passer and my question is who in the history of the NFL has ever gone from being a below average passer to an above average passer Josh Allen Well yeah. but was he below average or was he uh, average Well I mean his accuracy was well below average I, but he had some physical like his arm talent is just a, a, a physical strength that isn't teachable yeah, and I don't know, because I hear the Josh Allen, and let's be candid, I'm probably at the, not the head, but I'm in the top section of the Josh Allen probably regresses this year, and let's be candid, last week was not great for the side of him being like, you know, let's just say this, if last year was the first game, or last week, the first week was the first game of his third year, so he had his first and second year that were bad, and they're like, this is a must break, make or break year, here we go. If he had had that game, what would he be saying right now? The same thing we're saying about Daniel Jones, right? Yeah. Which is he's probably not going to make it. So the fact that he stuck in a good, a really good year in between gives us hope, but I don't know. And it seemed like on, in week one, I mean, you were the one who thought the Bills should have won the game, but in week one, it seemed like accuracy was the issue, wasn't it, against Pittsburgh? It was. 
Uh, Joe, what do you think of that? I mean, where's your head at on Josh Allen? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't think last week is the uh, best endorsement of Josh Allen as uh, <laughs> being, uh, you know, the next great quarterback in the NFL. I, I still do think he's a very good quarterback. He's definitely progressed. The numbers would even prove so uh, oh, throughout the course of yeah. his career. He's gotten better and better. But, you know, you just wonder what was was that just an aberration in week one or, or what happens now? I also, you know, Steve Young is a guy who I've thought about. And I, th- mm. I know Steve Young was really, you know, passionate about, you know, let Lamar learn how to throw. He can do it. He can do all this. And I just wonder if Steve Young looks at a guy like Lamar Jackson and says, I didn't have a whole lot to work with. I was trying to scramble for my life, and I developed into a, a better quarterback when I got into either a different system or just later on in my career. And maybe he sees Lamar Jackson as a guy who can develop late, although it would be, if not the only one, on on the short list of guys who's ever gotten better and better as their career has gone on as they started out as yeah as a passer that Steve Young comparison though there's been a lot of people who say Taysom Hill could turn into Steve Young and like I mean saying that Steve Young is uh, was a much better passer than Lamar Jackson or, or Taysom Hill have ever shown to be so the, there is the, you're, the you're issue early, is people you're saying early in his career yeah was. the issue is people projecting that they could somehow turn into what this Hall of Fame quarterback is it's almost nonsensical in my mind well but I think what they're saying is Young though a white guy was very mobile and that he was running a lot and remember he had the USFL stint then he was with Tampa Bay and you know I can't remember what was the trade for Young because Bill Walsh Mike Lombardi tells the story friend of the show Mike Lombardi he says that he was there when they traded for Walsh and uh, oh I'm sorry Young and, and Coach Walsh walked into the room with all his coordinators all his coaches and said who wants to make this trade before he made it and some guys raised their hand some didn't and he walked out and told Lombardi, he was like shadowing him at the point he was young. He said, the guys that didn't see this as a good trade will never be good coaches. He, like, he thought it was such a clear decision. He really l- l- condemned the ones that didn't see it. And he ended up being correct, right? But my, remember, my recollection is that they didn't give up much for Young. A second I mean, and a fourth rounder in 1987. They had just drafted. Uh, they decided to move on from him and drafted Vinny Testaverde, number one overall. They got a second and a fourth round pick for him. So not much for a Hall of Famer. No. So, so he was at that point almost a reclamation project, right? I mean, the theory is if Lamar was traded right now, it'd be should he get four number ones or five number ones would be the debate. <laughs> but let's be candid. And I think Joe, is, that's why it's hard to argue with him because when he doesn't have a winning side, he'll shift quickly, which I love because it means there's not stupid arguments. <laughs> okay. but, what he, but what he's saying is, and tell me if I'm right here, is, you know, you got a point, guys, is that – for, I think he has the potential of doing that, but if he did jump from where he is to where to where we want him to be as a passer, it will be a rare person that has ever made that jump. And if he doesn't make that jump, he won't be long for a starting quarterback. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's correct. I didn't. I didn't know that we were arguing that I was taking a side on Lamar Jackson. To be honest with oh, you. Oh, I, I thought you were. Was, you were no. saying. You were saying that you thought that he's he was passing better and that 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 trend line should continue. And if it, you know, and to be honest, it's not about what because maybe you weren't, and I was grabbing onto it thinking you were. But the point is, I think let's think if we can all agree on this, right? Because if we had a misunderstanding, I, no big deal. But here's the point: I think we can all agree on in the NFL media. If someone said, I think it'd be a bad decision to re-sign him for a jumbo contract, a lot of people are going to think you're a racist or you're stupid. 
And my point would be the only way you resign him to a $40 million a year, $35 million a year type deal is if he has a clear path to become an elite quarterback throughout that entire contract. He was an elite quarterback his second year. Let's accept that. He won the MVP. No one voted against him. So let's say that even if he was supposed to be fifth that year, which I'm not saying at all, but let's say he that was some reason he got the vote. If you have the one of the top five players in the NFL, he's that's damn good. But but things have changed in a way now that for him to continue to do this for the rest of this contract and the next one is going to have to be different than what he's done because no one in the history has ever just run. And if he was the first of one, that's a tough bet to make. And then the question is, well, what's the alternative? He's got to learn to pass. Well, who has done that? It seems like in every case, and we'll go to Jonas first, this would be a scenario that we'd be bucking a lot of history for him to be worth a big contract. Yeah, and they're still waiting for, to see that next development. I just think they're in a point to where they're going to pay him. Like, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's he's done so much from just turning the organization around from where they were at with Flacco. I mean, John Harbaugh was on his way out. There was talks that he was going to get fired. Lamar Jackson's completely changed things there. Whether he develops into a passer or not, I just think the market dictates that they're going to re-sign him and he's going to get as much money, if not more, than the guy who signs right before him. But if the market dictates it, that would be that someone's going to be willing to pay him. It only takes one of 32 teams. Do you think if you were the Ravens GM, would you pay him? I would, yeah. And even though you – and what do you think the odds are that – and again, broad strokes, right, not 27%. But what do you think the odds are that he's going to be worth that, that $40 million? Jeez. Um, because would you you agree it would take him either being the first guy to ever be able to effectively run for like seven, eight, nine years as a quarterback without being a good passer, or he has to become a good passer, and both of those things are long shots. Yeah, or, or get a Super Bowl doing it the way he's doing it, and who the hell knows if he can do that. I, I just... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just think the, where they're at and based on the market and what quarterbacks are getting paid, there's no chance that he goes anywhere other than Baltimore. They're going to re-sign him. What do you think, well, AJ? They've basically married their the build of the makeup of their team to Lamar Jackson. Like he he, he fits with them better than he would fit with any other team. Well, in the any NFL. team that got him would have to do the same transition. Right, but now it would be very difficult for the Ravens to convert if he were to go and they were to bring in a you know a, a, a statue quarterback. It would be difficult for the Ravens well, to adjust again. Let's talk about that. What would that adjustment be? We are straight out of Vegas talking with AJ Hoffman and Jonas Knox in LA. The adjustment would be what? They got more power blocking, right? And they got tight en- heavy on the tight ends. I mean, it feels like the playmakers, if anything, they've been trying to go to guys that are more outside because that's what they want them to do is throw outside. I mean, I hear you, but it only took them six – it took them half a season to make the conversion initially, right? Yeah. So they drafted him. Flacco was a starter. What was it, week eight or nine? There was a transition. And they took, made the playoffs, and he lost in the first round. So I'm not saying the first year was perfect, but they were there in half a season, right? They were. So why would it take any more for the next team? It would be a big commitment, but the contract's a big commitment. That's the commitment there. And I, I, one thing you said earlier about it would be looked at it as, as racist if you said not to re-sign him. I think it's more of a skill set than a race thing because I don't think anyone questioned whether Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson should have gotten paid. It, I mean, it's just it's what you said earlier about this is a guy who hasn't proven to be a, an effective passer in the NFL. That's why it's being questioned, not because you, he's black. You're making such a great point. But I think it's a little more nuanced than that. Lamar Jackson plays, I think, like 
the stereotype of a black quarterback, meaning what was the stereotype of a black quarterback 10 years ago? Five years, it was a guy that ran a lot, didn't throw great. Right, he he had the physical skills, but he didn't throw great. Now, what people did that was probably borderline racist, if not racist, was equate the inability to throw with intelligence. The theory was, oh no, he can, offense is too complicated. Like you would hear comments like that. So Lamar, you know, if you look at Mahomes, he has the ability for athleticism, but he plays exceptionally well within the the pocket within their playbook. Is historically the black quarterbacks were able to make those wild plays but didn't work within the system as well now was that because they weren't taught right or who knows but that was the cliche and with lamar he plays like an old if lamar now first off lamar is put back in 1980 i don't know if he'd run for 3,000 yards or what but it still would look a lot like what a doug williams if you can go back randall cunningham wouldn't randall cunningham be a pretty good comp for lamar yes but Lamar's a much better athlete. So I think it's because it's the first athlete, and Jones, you can tell me if you agree with this, and we got to take a break. It was the first black quarterback of the modern era that played so well in that old school black quarterback cliche that he was able to succeed. Remember, he got picked number 32 for a reason. People didn't think, and, and even the Ravens passed, they took a tight end earlier in the first round. So the Ravens weren't sure about this either. And I think the reason was, this was a guy that if you look at him, it was like, man, he seems like more of the same, but boy, he's so good. Maybe he can make it work. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, and and I think he's done a, a pretty good job in being able to get them to a certain point. It just, you wonder if he can't develop more as a quarterback and can't develop that passing game more, have they peaked in this window from getting to the postseason, maybe winning a game. But other than that, they're not able to compete with some of the better quarterbacks that are advancing further on. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Jonas and AJ the following question. Did Lamar Jackson last night throw the ball better than he did in year two? This is year four. In year two, did he throw the ball better or year four? That's when we come back. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look back at Monday Night Football, an overtime win for the Raiders over the Ravens. And we're going to make people take sides here. The question we're going to ask and get the answer from the boys in just a minute. Lamar Jackson, second year, his quality as a passer versus Lamar Jackson last night. Or we could say his last three games, you know, count last season, because we don't want it to be about one game. My point would be the stats at least say trending down. I don't think that's the narrative. So great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Why? Because of your support. We appreciate it so, so much. And we're going to keep delivering winners and laughs. That's, that's what we try to do. Cocktails and dreams, you might remember. This is winners and laughs right here in Vegas on the Strip. Mackenzie, what's the current weather on the Strip? 102 degrees. No way. It's almost October. It's 102. Still. The neon is coursing. 
So, RJ, we've been talking, speaking of Vegas, about that big win for the Raiders last night in overtime, 33-27 over the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar Jackson, two costly turnovers in that game, fumbles late, including one in overtime, which led to the eventual game winner for the Raiders. Now, this harkens back. The last time the Ravens were in or on Monday Night Football, it was the bathroom game, we'll call it where things were the game was progressing Lamar had stomach issues he was gone for was I think it was a full quarter Mackenzie you remember how long that was yeah it was from the middle of the third to the middle of the fourth <laughs> and and then the backup quarter or the the backup quarterback got hurt and literally almost like it was a movie Lamar emerges from the commode and he's ready to play. And he, you know, he does you know, well and wins the game, if I recall, at the end over the Browns. And what we posed at the time was the question was, wait a minute. He was, I think it was like 35 minutes of real time that he was off the field. What's the odds that the minute this guy got hurt was exactly when his stomach said, you're fine, go on out. It feels like it was him saying, huh, I'm going to go out. We, you know, regardless kind of, or maybe it was he was ready to go out 10 minutes before, but for whatever reason wasn't. And we posed that question. Now, we had some people say, man, that's a tough question. It's like, well, what's tough is believing it was just at that exact moment that he was ready to go, right? So it's like, imagine you're laying down and your mom wants to go to church, right? That was a big thing with me growing up is my mom is a, uh, I would say a pretty strict Catholic. I went to CCD. I went to all of that. And I can't lie. There were some Sundays I was 14, 15. I'd rather watch football than go to church, right? Uh, yeah, some Sundays. Imagine that. Okay. And what would happen? Well, maybe I got a fever. Maybe I have a cough. But what would happen is I would be faking it a little bit. And you know what? Is if I something was important like if the house was on fire i would be able to run i wouldn't be like get a stretcher i'd be running out but if it wasn't that important i was kind of still feeling my illness right well could lamar have been you know have a legitimate illness not saying he didn't but maybe he wasn't feeling it that night maybe whatever right and then the minute when the house was on fire in this analogy which was hey the backup is hurt he was able to muster up the strength to get out there that's a pretty reasonable conversation. Now, in my opinion, Jonas, you're not a hot take guy. Does that seem reasonable to you? They, it, yeah. That's worth discussing. The timing is a little suspect. Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, there, it would need to be, you know, perfect. Your stomach ailment perfectly timed up with your team needing a quarterback back on the field. It's a little bit suspect. <laughs> I agree. And, I, and I'm not saying that any of us know for sure, but to act like the discussion of it is, a, let's just say I'm trying to treat Lamar like any other player. And it seems like with Lamar, it's often emotionally loaded for people. And I'm not saying that's wrong even for them. I'm just saying for me, I'm trying to look at it with, with sober eyes, I guess would be the way to say it. And in my opinion now, let's complete the narrative. Because I would say, well, if the guy maybe was a little nervous, the pressure, the, the lights were too bright, how's he do in the games that are com more competitive? How's he do when, let's say, they're not favored by more than a field goal? How does he do in the playoffs? And if you look at it, it's not so good. I mean, there is a clear delineation between the Ravens' performance and Lamar's performance. And 
I guess the way to say in games in which the delineation is in games that are high pressure versus not as high pressure. And obviously all NFL games have some pressure to them. So if we say the highest pressure games versus the other games. And McKenzie, we did a study on that. I, I guess we should update that, baby, for, and, and talk about it tomorrow. But if when we were just going by the competitive games, by the point spread, his performance was and the Ravens significantly worse. And remember, the spread's supposed to even everything up. So if in one game you're favored by 12, in the next game you're a three-point underdog, well, if you win by 12 and lose by three, in both times you met expectations. So it's all it's going to account for everything except some other factor, which might be pressure, whatever. But as you, as I recall, uh, Lamar did not fare well in that analysis. McKenzie. Yes, I'll I'll update that for tomorrow, or give me a couple minutes. I'll pull that up right yeah, now. Yeah, let's let's pull up as we're talking. We are straight out of Vegas. So here's the question: If passing is what we need. Lamar or what the Ravens need for him to get better at, then the trend line is important. So starting with Jonas, how would you characterize the trend line on Lamar's passing ability from year two to what you saw last night? I I think he's gotten slightly better, but it's still not where I think the Ravens probably want him at. AJ. I, I think that he's improving as a passer, but that first year where he where he was a very good passer is probably when an anomaly. First year, you the, mean the, his second the, year. The, yeah, 2019. It was yeah. probably an anomaly. And 2020 and then into 2021, that, that's probably what you're going to get. I think the biggest key is will he improve off of last year? And, I mean, based on, on last night, he went from – he was the, the 20th ranked QBR passer in, in – 2020 he was 18th of the quarterbacks this week hold on now let's get something straight though are we talking about the total qbr or just just passer okay just passing now that's interesting so what was his qbr his final overall total ranking last year pulling that up now because what you were going to see is he was was seventh yeah so that's what's fascinating people qbr is the only stat well let's just say passer rating which is the other stat people you know an older stat people look at is passer rating doesn't account for running at all. What, what total QBR does is say, hey, a quarterback can run, they can pass, we're going to count for both. And Lamar does really well in that stat. And you know what? You could make the case, well, RJ, it's trying to represent performance. Does it matter if he runs or passes as long as he's performing? And my point would be there's two times that it matters. One is if he has to throw pretty much, which is when you're behind. And it's hard. You look at Patrick Mahomes when he won a Super Bowl. They were behind by double digits in every one of the games. So that's that's very unusual. But it's hard to imagine a, a run where you're not going to have at least one game in the playoffs that you're behind. It just it's tough to find that, especially now there's only one bye. So a lot, most teams are going four games if they win the Super Bowl. So that is a big issue. And then the second issue is, does a 31-year-old Lamar Jackson is he able to run near this much? And if he's not, when does the passing improvement start? Because if you just say statistically between season two and three, there was a 10-point drop-off QBR, which is humongous, in his passing. Now, what AJ has done very in a very tricky way, has said, well, let's call that an anomaly, and then let's look at from last year. Well, my point would be last year, if he was 18th or 20th as a passer, whatever one it was, is, is that good enough? If the job of a quarterback is to pass, does the guy who's between 18th and 20th get paid 
as much as anyone but Mahomes, which is what Jonas you think his number is going to come in at. Yeah, I think he's going to be the one of the next quarterbacks that gets the massive payday. Yeah, yeah so most likely the every you know Mahomes might be at that forty-five. Uh, you know, he'll get about as much as Dak, or about as much as uh, Josh Allen, is what you're figuring. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be in the top three. And to say, okay, this guy's going to be in the top three, but he's the between the 18th and 20th best passer, that would be a reimagination of what the quarterback can do or should do. And you know what? If he is one of one, he could run so well that it's worth it. Or if he becomes a great pass or good passer, he would be worth it because he would still have his running, right? He just wouldn't have to lean on it as much. The question is, aren't each of those things a long shot to be the first person ever to run that well late in his career or to go from being not a good passer to a good passer? I say yes. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. I don't know, Jonas, if you know this, Mr. Dan Byer has a podcast, Fantasy Sports. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Does a great job. I'm thinking about maybe letting him give us a tidbit a week and promote the pod if he always buys lunch. Well, <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be like a payola type thing. I was wondering it? how much you were going to pay me, yeah. RJ. That's what oh. I was wondering. <laughs> so you you are in fantasy world. <laughs> you, you get that double entendre right there? Fantasy. You shouldn't all have right, to what? explain your jokes, RJ. I think we all I was, got it. I was worried. I It was so funny. I mean, Jonas almost keeled over, and, and I heard silence from your end. I just wondered if, you know, I didn't know. I didn't when get we, it until you repeated it, actually. Ah, when we come <laughs> back, we're going to give a little bit on the Raiders' side because, obviously, it's Las Vegas, and they deserve it, and they won the game. And also, it will be a A.J. Hoffman recap of the biggest college football. We're, we're putting an end to this week, and we got to hear the biggest things that happen and what he thinks about it, including Ohio State losing, all that in college football. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas Knox, R.J. Bell, and A.J. Hoffman with you here on FSR. Uh, The Odd Couple is coming up here a little over 10 minutes from now here on Fox Sports Radio. Make sure you stick around for those guys. And, R.J., we did have uh, some news out of the world of college football yesterday with the firing of Clay Helton at USC. And our college football expert, I know A.J. Hoffman, has some things to get off his chest when it comes to the last weekend in college football. Yeah, and uh, A.J. is a true expert in the colleges and it's really tough to do both I mean that's the thing is a lot of experts try to do both and I think both suffer to be honest with you and you can do one but you know or do both but you have to understand one subordinate right one is less important and it takes a special breed to be looking at the Sun Belt and the and all the Idaho how's their offense and AJ is that person so what we want to do AJ Hoffman pregame.com is what are the main if someone's a casual fan of college football every week we're going to say what they missed and what they should be paying attention to let's start there 
Well, I mean, what you missed, if I mean, if you if you didn't have a TV this weekend, was Oregon beats Ohio State 35 Okay, we said enough about that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so here's the here's what that does. It's kind of a ripple effect. What it does is it gives the Pac-12 a serious contender for a national championship conversation because, let's face it, Oregon beat Ohio State, and at Ohio State, mm. they're not going to play a tougher game this season before, unless they get to the playoffs. So they're open now, and they're going to have a, a high quality win. And if they can go unbeaten in the Pac-12, they are going to be a college football playoff team. Well, here's this, the question. Here's the question: If they lose one game, but still win, is there still a Pac-12 tour, uh, championship game? Right. Yes. Okay. If they if they lose one game. Will there be one? There couldn't be a team with one loss that has a better win than that. So wouldn't they be? Aren't they pretty much in even if they have one loss? Uh, more than likely, the, the, the one example of a team that could get in with one loss that would have a better win, like because Georgia has a win over Clemson. If Georgia was to lose a game to Alabama, they would be a one-loss team with a with a, another high-caliber win and a better overall schedule. Whoa, but that whoa, gets whoa, me to whoa. Clemson. Oh, you're talking about Georgia. Georgia, yeah. Okay. But so you're but that Georgia, gets me to how this yeah. has effect on everybody. Like, Clemson hates that Ohio State just lost because now Ohio State becomes a potential one-loss team with a lot better overall resume than Clemson has. Mm. So so that that's and, – and Georgia, by, by hand, if Georgia were to lose a game to Alabama, Georgia, who already has a win in hand over Clemson. So now this puts Oregon, Georgia, Ohio State – all ahead in line of Clemson, who now their one loss is looking just disastrous for their playoff hopes. Okay, so let's think about this logically. What you're saying is Ohio State was going to win or or Oregon was going to win. One of them is going to win. So if Ohio State wins, it keeps it to be, hey, no one in the Pac-12 has a chance, and the Big Ten has one chance, which is Ohio State winning out. But, hey, if they win out, they were going to get it over them anyway. But now yes. you're saying it muddies the waters in a way that Oregon's in the mix and Ohio State isn't totally eliminated. And so effectively it adds one more team to the mix that they got to hope has a, you know, a, an, an additional bad loss, and that would be Oregon, right? Because Ohio State would have been in the mix anyway. Yes, or I mean, Clemson could also hope that Ohio State loses another game, which isn't impossible. It's it's if you look oh, at their no. schedule, it, it seems unlikely. But it was it, we, they were fourteen and a half point favorites against Oregon, and they lost. So, right, so unlikely quick, things yeah, happen. Real quick, USC firing the coach after one game. What's going on? You got thirty seconds. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, he's been on the hot seat for some time. Expectations are just higher there, and they should be. You should be winning at a higher clip there. And I, I bet there's a guy right now who's kicking himself uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, saying he wishes he would have waited six more months to take a job. Urban Meyer would be a perfect fit in USC right now. You think he'd rather be at USC than the Jags? I do. All right, well, Trevor Lawrence is the next coming, Jonas. I don't understand that, but we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> and if you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio, and as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas! 